All right, we're going to begin here with the Mishnah on the top of Nun Zayin Amun Aleph. The Mishnah, almost everything in the Mishnah we've seen before, because it's been quoted prior in the Masechta, piece by piece. It's really an amalgamation of three, four Mishnayot that are brought together here in a single Mishnah. But again, we've discussed almost every section of the Mishnah prior in the Gemara, and we'll note as we move through this Mishnah. The Mishnah begins, Konam Perot Elu Alai, Konam Heim Alpi, Konam Heim Lipi, then if he expresses the nether in such a fashion, then not only is he asur in the object itself, but he also will be asur if the object is exchanged to something else, and something that grows or is extended from this item itself. On the other hand, if he states the nether in such a fashion that he says, she'eni ochel v'she'eni toem, Mutar Then it does not affect the chilufin and the gidulim. So now the Mishnah here contrasts a case of ha'elu versus a case she'eni ochel v'she'eni toim. We've seen this Mishnah before because it was quoted back on Daf Memzayin as well as on Daf Nun Bet Amud Bet, where we discussed the issue of yotzei mehen. Items that are asur is that which is a derivative of them also asur, and there we brought this Mishnah as a proof to that. Over there, both Tosafot and the Ran distinguished between the case of Yotzei Mehen and the case of Chiluvehem and Giduvehem, and in doing such, they explained the reason for this Mishnah, and that persists over here as well in their explanations. Is the reason that you would not have Chiluvehem and Giduvehem? Because of the second part, which is she'eni ochel v'she'eni toim, limits the issue. And since it limits the issue, that's why there's no isur v'chiluvem v'gdulehem. But otherwise, any konam, if you just use a stam konam without being magdir, without limiting it in any way, then it would affect chiluvem v'gdulehem. So it's the second half of the statement here in the Mishnah, which is the machria. The she'eni ochel v'she'eni toim limits the neder. And that's the reason that you're mutar v'chilufayim v'gedulehem, but nothing to do with the statement in the first half of the Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah, the statement, could be anything, and it would be asur v'chilufayim v'gedulehem, because it doesn't have that limiting factor of sheni ochel v'sheni toim. That's the view of Tosafot, that sheni ochel v'sheni toim limits it to say that I don't want to eat this object, I do not want to taste this object, but if I'm not tasting, or if I'm not focused on this object, then chilufayim v'gedulehem, which aren't this object, then that would be fine. On the other hand, Mifashim Mishonim, like the Iran, believe that the focus here is on the Elu. And then the fact that you were Mifarit, or he calls Miyached, you designated, delineated a specific object to be a sewer, and then it starts to look a lot more like Hekdesh. We mentioned before that it may not be exactly be Hekdesh, it might be more like Truma, but in the sense that it's similar to Hekdesh, where Chilufehem and Gidulehem are Asurim. So the Iran states that the statement in the first part of the mission is what's important. The ha'elu, the fact that you're miyached the peirot, and you make them like hegdesh, that's what generates the isur of chilufayim and gidulayim. The latter part of the mission that says she'eni ochel v'she'eni to'eim, that doesn't have that, because she'eni ochel v'she'eni to'eim, similar to what the Balei Tosafot say, is limited to achila and te'ima, but doesn't focus on making the object completely asur like hegdesh. So the failure there is that you're not only not to miyachedet, but you also took away from the nature of the Yisur that would be a complete encompassing Yisur like that of Hekdesh. So that is 
the nature of a machloket vishunim over here is what's driving the difference between the first case and the second case. Is it the elut that drives the fact that you're now asur bichilufem gidulehem? And absent the elut or absent the yichud peirot, then you would not be asur. Or is it the other way around? The natural state, the default state, is that you are asur bichilufem gidulehem. It's only when you specify sheni ochel v'sheni toim it takes away from the natural or the default case by nidarim, and that's why you are mutar bechidufem uvegidulehem. So that's the machlokas we have here between the Tosbali Tosafot and the Ran. We saw that again back on Nun Bed Amud It's actually clearer over there the distinction that they make within their positions. In addition to that, so the Ran over here asks on his own shita, how can I say to you that Elu? And the pirut of the item here is what generates the isur of chilufem and gidulem. If back on Memzayin with Aleph, that was the question of Rami Barchama. The boy Rami Barchama, konam pirut elu al ploni, ma'u bichilufehen. That was the question that was posed over there. And the sveika of Rami Barchama is, is the reason behind our Mishnah because of the Kavanat and Neder, and therefore it's only no there that is a sur, but the mudar would not be a sur. Or because chilufem are like gidulem, and this din would be applicable to all isreyana. Now, if you argue the answer to that question is that chilufem are kigidulehem, then obviously the elu over here is lavdafka because the elu has no impact over here. The whole reason it works over here is because all isreyana look the same. And all these Sereyana, they're Chidufehem, are Kigidulehem. And that's the reason behind it. It has nothing to do with the Elu. And if that's the case, then it seems that the whole question is posed that way, that even if you think it's because of Kavanata Nuder, that the reason that it's a Surveyor here is because of the intent of the individual took the Neder, then it also seems that the word Elu is not the pivotal factor over here. Rami Barhama doesn't ask about Elu. He doesn't have any question about Elu, whether it's Dapko or Lab Dapko. His question is simply about whether the reason that it works over here is because of the individual taking the net there, he's the driving force, or is it an independent reason, which is it's applicable to all Israelana? And obviously that will have an afkamina to the mudar. Our is talking about a case of the noder himself who takes the net there, the impact on him. The question of Rabbi Barakama is how does that affect another party? If you take the net there vis-a-vis another party, you make him a sore, do you impact him or do you not impact him? Well, if it's all about the kavanat to noder, then it doesn't really matter. Because if it's all about Kavanata Noder, then it only affects him and not the other party. Because the Chilufahem are things like Davar Shalobali Olam, which he has the ability to be Oser on himself, but he cannot be Oser that on a third party. And therefore Chilufahem would not be applicable to the Mudar. On the other hand, if it's got to do with the fundamental din about Chilufahem Kikidulahem, like all Yisrehana, then that would be equally applicable to a Noder about himself as well as the Noder about a Mudar, about a third party that he takes his netter to restrict him in such an item. So the Ran, whose claim here is that Elu is the driving force in the Mishnah to make the things Asurim over here, Bechilufem and Gidulehem, Rami Barakama's question back on Mem Zayin Maralf makes it sound that Elu is irrelevant to the question over here. So how do I reconcile between the Ran's position here that Elu has meaning versus Rami Barakama's position over there where Elu has no meaning? So the Ran answers, V'yeshlomar dololam Elu dapko that the word Elu over here has significant impact. And that's even according to if you say that which is a more fundamental din, because that would only make them a serim to the person himself who did the swap. 
אבל אסרם לאחר, לא, but to be אוסר them on someone else, that would not be the case. ומתניתן פסיק בתני, and our Mishnah says, without any qualifications, אסור בחילופיהם בגידוליהם, says that it's אסור בחילופיהם, ואפילו החליפן אחר, even if someone else did the exchange. ואיסור על כורכך משום אלוהו, and that could only be because of the word of אלו, because דה חילופי איסורי הנאה, וכשהחליפן אחר לא אסירי. Because if you claim that the reason that the chilufim are asurim over here is because chilufim kiduleim because of isreyana, but isreyana, if someone else does the exchange, then no other party is affected by it except himself. So that's the explanation here of why elu is dafka according to the Ran. Elu is dafka because in order for this neder to take effect or impact on hachlafa, not only the person who took the neder, but anybody who does hachlafa will impact on the individuals restricted over here. The word Elu does that because it makes it like Hektesh. So the word Elu does something beyond what you would say by Chilufem Kigidulayam or Kavanata Noder. It makes it that this Isor extends to a Hachlafa by third parties. Exchanges done by third parties will keep the item restricted to the party that took the net there. So even if someone else comes and does the Hachlafa, that person who took the net will now be restricted in the Hachlafa even though he didn't himself do it. And therefore he says, Rami Barchana's Shitali, Rami Bachama says, The reason that if someone else does the exchange, you are a sore is because of the word Elu. If that's the case, then it has to do with the Kavanata Noder, it has to do with the language that he's using. And clearly over there, if you take the nether yourself, and then someone else does exchange, you will remain a sore in that exchange item. And if you impose this nether on a third party, then because it's got to do with Kavanata Noder through the word Elu, then he can't impose on you that the hachlafa, that the exchange will be asur. Meaning if a third party now comes and exchanges it, the mudar will not be asur in that exchange. But, miu ha kemibayli. This is the question Rabbi Barachama has. Hechlifan hu. If the person who took the nether himself does a hachlafa, why is it asur? Is it asur because of the word elu? Or is it asur because chilufem kikiduleem? The difference being then, if the noder is the one who does the achlafa, then of course, vis-a-vis himself, it's asur, because meimonavshach, whether it's because of the lashon elu, or it's because of the lashon, or because of the reasoning of chilufem ki dulehem, he would be restricted in the item. But the nafkamina will be for the mudar. When the person who took the nether does the exchange, how is the mudar, the one who he restricted, now affected? He took a nether to restrict another party in something, and then he goes ahead and exchanged that item for something else. The Noder does that. If we say that it all has to do with the Lashona Noder, Kavanata Noder, and the word Elu, then the Mudar is freed from that. Because as far as the Mudar is concerned, the Noder is a third party here. And he can't affect the Mudar in the Hachlafa. He can only affect himself, the Noder, in the Hachlafa. On the other hand, if the Din is a broader Din of Kilufem Kikidulem by all Yisraeliana, then even if the Noder does the exchange, he will not only affect himself, but he will also affect the Mudar. If it's another party that is the one that he made a Surbana, it will also affect him. And that's the nature of the question. So the Ran layers the question here, or double layers the question of Elu Davka or Elu Lab Davka. He says that Elu is very important over here in generating the Isur, or making it like Hektesh. But even with the word, out the word Elu, the question could exist of whether it's Kavanata Noder, but without the word Elu, you could only ask the question vis-a-vis the Noder himself. 
But you could not then raise the question with regards to third parties. Once you enter the word Elu, that now begins to affect third parties. And if anybody does the Achlafa, it will have impact over here. And therefore, if a third party does the exchange, only the Noder would be a sore, the Mudar would not be a sore, because that's generated by the word Elu. That Ibrahim Ibrahim acknowledges as being simple. The question Rabbi Rahama says is only with regards to the Noder himself. When he does the Achlafa, when the party that's being affected is the Mudar, the person that he restricted on another item, then is he considered like a third party or is he considered to be a party to the grouping here? And that would make a difference as to whether the Elu is the driving force or Khalifahim Kikiduim. If Elu is the driving force, then only the Noder can affect himself. He can't affect the Mudar. On the other hand, if the driving force of here is Khalifahim Kikiduim, then the Noder can even affect the Mudar. And so if he does Akhlafa, he will affect the Mudar as well. But that's the way the Quran phrases the question in order to reconcile between what seems obvious in our Mishnah versus what the question of Rami bar was earlier. Mishnah continues and qualifies the statement. It says, Bidavar shezaro kala. It's only true when you have something that's seed disappears. Bidavar shezaro kala. On the other hand, if you have something that where the seed itself does not disappear, then even a double derivative, even that which is grown from that which is grown, will remain a surim. Now, the way the Ran reads this is a question on both parts of the first statements of the Mishnah. The first statement of the Mishnah was that you're a sur bechilufem implying that only gidulem are surim, but gidule gidulehem are mutarim. The second statement says mutar bechilufem gidulehem from the beginning. You're mutar legamim gidulem. The qualification of the Mishnah now is that's only true when it's zarokala. It's only true when the item that's planted disappears after you plant it. So that's true of case number one. It's true of case number two. On that end, if it's a davar, she'en zarokala, something that remains even after you plant it, then there'll be two nafkaminot. Number one is, in the case of the ratio where we say giduhem ar surim and gidule giduhem ar mutarim, that won't be true. Gidulim will be ar surim and gidule giduhem will be ar surim. And in the second statement of the Mishnah, where we said that Gidulem are mutarim, that will be Gidulem are surim by Ein Zarokala. Now an example of Ein Zarokala is something like an onion, a potato, items where you plant the object itself, a bulb, back into the ground. And then when the new plant grows, the original bulb or the original item is still intact or still a part and parcel of the new item. So that's what's called Ein Zarokala. Because the original Isur is still intact, then the Isur persists beyond the first growth or beyond the fact that it shouldn't be there at all because the ikar or the isur is in a sense still extant and affecting the object. We'll see how far it affects the object that the Gemara will ask, but that makes it much different here where we can't just say, oh, gudulim mutarim or gidulim gudulim mutarim because the object of isur is still intact and is still here. Others say that this whole qualification of the Mishnah is only on the second statement of the Mishnah. The second statement of the Mishnah which says, this is saying that's not the case, but the Ran clearly reads it as affecting the first two cases of the Mishnah. Then, So seemingly this is the exact same case as the beginning of the Mishnah. A person takes a nether, and again, once again, he uses l'shunot, that match, he uses them, konam aim lepi, konam hey alpi, or konam maseya daich alai, which is similar to the elu, because he's specifying the isur that is generated over here. In all those cases, he's asur bechilufem ubegidulem. What the Rishonim note over here, 
is that the Chiddush in this case is that not only is this true with regards to a nether that you take about an object, but it's also true when you take the nether vis-a-vis someone else's production of Hana'ah or someone else's creation of Hana'ah. So that we don't limit this idea of Chilufem and Gidulem to an object that becomes a sewer, but even to, in this case, what we'll call Davar Sheimbo Mamash, something that's an intangible object. And we know that Nidarim have no impact on intangible objects. And these nidarim over here are all about intangible objects because you're talking about the Masaya Daim of his wife. So what you have to say is one of two possibilities. Either this is only an Isra Drabanan, which we saw earlier, that if you take the Shuab Nader, it's a Surmi Drabanan, and that would be the case here as well. Or the Ran says over here that you just have to amend the language to read that it's a case where he says, Konam Yadaim le Masayhem. You have to rephrase it so that it fits into a nether and creates something that is a tangible object. But by doing that now, you've created an isur, but an isur that's not about an object like a fruit or an item that has natural gidulim that come out of it or chilufin, but here is something that's been created by someone else. And despite that fact, this, the chiddush over here is that item is asur and chilufim and gidulim are asurim, and that's what the Ran says. Ashmeina rebuta to be achet perutav shaploni kihachad yichid masayi deishto komer elu dami. It has the same din as Elu, and therefore it's under the same rubric as what we saw in the first half of the Mishnah. And if you say then you're Here the Ran says the Chiddush of this part of the Mishnah is that even though you said Elu, you put together a nether that said Elu, and then you add on the Lashon that's enough to undo what normally Elu would do. So normally Elu would create an Easter of Chilufem and Gidulehem. The Chiddush over here is that even if you use the Lashon Elu, but then you state Sheni Toem and Sheni Ochel, that mitigates, eliminates the power of Elu, and therefore you will be governed by Sheni Ochel and Sheni Toem. So that's the Chiddush in the second part of the Mishnah. Two things that come out of the Chiddush. Number one is that even when it's someone else's objects that you're making a sewer, you can't create this issue of Chilufem and Gidulehem. And number two is that even if you use the word Elu, if you then follow up the Lashon of Sheni Toem and Sheni Ochel, that's enough to undo whatever Elu would have done. And then, again, we have the same qualification as we had earlier, but Davar Shezerokala, Avo Davar Shezerokala, Afilu Gidele Gidulim Asurim. So that would be the case again. The same qualification as applied earlier will apply over here. And right now, we move on to another section of the Mishnah. This little piece we didn't have earlier, but a section of this we had earlier. If a person says to his wife, Whatever you make, I won't eat until Pesach. Whatever you make, I will not adorn myself with, I will not wear until Pesach. If she created this object before Pesach, then he's mutar to enjoy it, to eat it, to wear it after Pesach. So the Chiddush here, as the Rambam in Perish Mishnayot says, is we're not thinking, we're not saying that when he says out of Pesach here, means that the Isra Hana'ah exists on any item that's created until a Pesach. Rather, he is now creating a time limit in the nether itself, saying that I'm only restricted in these items until Pesach. Anything you make before Pesach, anything that you create before Pesach, I will be a surin until Pesach. But once Pesach passes, I will be mutar in it. It's not a limitation to say anything you make before this date will be a sur forever. 
but rather it's a limitation inherently in the Easter that he creates, as opposed to the second half of this statement in the Mishnah, which is, Anything that you make until Pesach, I will not eat. Anything you make until Pesach, I will not wear. Also, if she does anything, creates anything before Pesach, then you're a surly olam in that object. So over here, the delineation of time is not about the limitation of the nether itself, but rather it's telling you until what point does the nether apply to these objects forever. So until Pesach, anything done before that will remain a sur forever. Anything after Pesach will not be under the nether. But it's not coming to give a self-terminating aspect to the nether like the first half said over here. So now the next part of the Mishnah we actually saw earlier on in a machloket about Tznai and Neder, whether when a person has a Tznai or a Neder, how do we treat the Tznai versus a Neder? Everybody agrees that people are worried about Nidarim, and therefore they do not violate Nidarim. Our question was, are people worried about Tanaim? That once they have the Neder, say the Neder is in effect earlier, and the Tanai is after the fact, do we worry about people violating that Tanai or not? So we saw Machloket Amoraim about that before. This Mishnah played in that Machloket that we saw back on Daf Tedvob Amnauf, and that is, you are restricted in getting Hana from me until Pesach. He says this to his wife. If you go from now until Sukkot, or maybe possibly Shavuot, but more likely Sukkot, to your father's house. If she goes before Pesach, then she's restricted in getting Hana from him until Pesach. Lachar HaPesach after Pesach, Bebal Yachel. Then, if after Pesach, she has already gotten Hana'ah from him prior to Pesach, and has yet to go to her father's house, then she remains under a restriction of Bal Yachel until Sukkot. Because since she already got Hana'ah from him prior to Pesach, she's now not able to go to her father's house until Sukkot. Because if she goes to her father's house, then she will trigger the neder lomafreya. Retroactively, she will trigger the neder, and that will cause her to be in violation of bal yachel. And therefore, it says, achara pesach bebal yachel. After pesach, she's restricted in going to her father's house. Now, the Rambam says over here, a big chiddish, the Rambam says over here that it's not only true in a case where she got hana'ah before pesach, but even in a case where she did not get hana'ah before pesach, she still may not go to her father's house after pesach. Why? It makes no difference. She goes to her father's house after Pesach. If she didn't get a nah before Pesach, even if she triggers the nether, she won't be in violation of the nether. The Rambam over here says something interesting. He says, The husband is required to stop his wife from going to her father's house until the termination of what he took in his nether. Even though the punishment is gone, she hit nabo imavra because the tonight was that if she is violation until Pesach passes, and here she did not violate it. He says that's the only Chiddush in this whole Mishnah. The rest of the Mishnah, there's no Chiddush in this Mishnah, except for this one item. And that is because the way that the Mishnah phrases it, which is that a person out of Pesach is a sur if she went before Pesach, there is a requirement that she doesn't go, 
And here the mission doesn't seem to qualify whether she got Hana beforehand or not. And that's what the Rambam is playing on. That's irrespective of whether she got Hana before Pesach or not. She should not go until Sukkot time. Why not? So the Rambam says over here it's because we want people to be careful about Nidarim. And we don't want her to think that the nether is willy-nilly or this doesn't have any bearing. But the fact is that his intent was to stop his wife from going to her father's house until Sukkot. And therefore he should uphold that part of the nether even though the trigger now will not cause a violation of the nether because she didn't get any ana until Pesach. So that's the Kiddush that the Rambam says over here. That is irrespective of whether she got ana until Pesach or she didn't get ana until Pesach. You're not allowed to go to her father's house. You're not allowed to get enough from me until Sukkot. If you go to your father's house until Pesach. If she goes before Pesach, then she triggers the nether. And then she is restricted to go there until Sukkot. And she's obviously mutared to go after Pesach. We saw that this earlier in the Mesech. This is so obvious that she's allowed to go after Pesach to her father's house because the restriction only lasted until Pesach. But what we say here is that if she did go before Pesach and triggered the nether, and now she's a surba na'ah until Sukkot, we still let her go visit her father after Pesach, and we don't worry about the fact that she'll think, oh, if I can visit my father, I also can get hana from my husband. We don't assume that she'll make that correlation, and therefore she's allowed to go to her father's house, despite the fact that she's a sore from getting hana from her husband until Sukkot. All right, now the Gemara says, Omer Lishto, person says to his wife, Konam Maseya Dayach Alai. Whatever you produce is restricted to me. Konam Heim Lepi, Konam Heim Lepi, Bechulek. Ishmael Ish Kfar Yama. Ishmael, the individual who came from the city by the sea. V'amri Loa Ish Kfar Dima. Others say that it wasn't that Kfar Yama, but rather Kfar Dima. It was the village of Dima. That was the name of the village that he came from. It's not speaking about the generically, that he comes from a village near the sea, but rather that he comes from a village that has this proper name to it which is Ishkfar Dima. Helabiyado came up in his hand. Now, Helabiyado sounds like there's something physical that actually came up into his hand, but as the Ran notes over here, Helabiyado means Hela Shelazo Bibib. This question arose. So he raised this question, or this question arose before him, and therefore he brought it to the attention of the other Chachamim. Batsal, Shakro B'Shvi'it. If a Batsal that was uprooted during Shvi'it, Benat O B'Shminit. And then it was planted again in the eighth year. And then the growth in the eighth year exceeds the bulb which came from the Shvi'it that was replanted in the ground. This is the question. The Gidulim are Mutarim because they grew during the eighth year. The Igar is Asur because that grew during the Shvi'it. But now, Kevin Durabu Gidulav Mi'ikaro. Since now the gidulim exceed the original item, otam gidulei heter malinet ha'isur alo. Are they able to be mivatel the isur or not to be mivatel the isur? All right, that's the question that he raised, and the Gemara is going to proceed to try to discuss the question and bring an answer to this question. What the question is is very unclear, and that is because there are multiple levels of issues that arise here. Those are raised by the Rishonim. The first of which is, what is the status of the Gidulim independent of Bitul over here? The Gidulim that grow out of this Ikar that is a sewer. What is the status of these Gidulim? Are these Gidulim Mutarim? Or are these Gidulim Asurim? Duran says, that's the question of the Gemara. 
The question of the Gemara is, what is the status of these Gidulim? As the Ran phrases it, question about Bittor or not Bittor is tied to whether the Gidulim are Heter or not Heter. So there's a fundamental question here. When you have something that the Ikar is a sore, that it grew during Shvi'it, and now you plant it in the Shminit, and now the Gidulim grow out of it, what is the status of those Gidulim? Are they Mutarim or not Mutarim? Once you establish what the status of the Gidulim are, then you can assess Bittor. That's what the Ran says. The Ran says that the Gemara could have asked the question that way or could have posed the question that way, which is simply, are Gidolim Mutarim or Gidolim Asurim? Then, once you've established that fact, then the other is a polyotse, it is a derivative of that discussion, which is, is it Mifatel or not Mifatel? And that don't have to do with the amount of Heter that you have there. Is it sufficient to override the Ikar? Is it sufficient to override the Isur? Mio Habahatalio. As the Ran says, both of these questions are connected to each other, basically focused on the fundamental question of the Gidlim are Mutarim. On the other hand, if you look in the Rosh, in others, the Tosafot, and others, say over here, he says, Pshitali, the Gidulav Mutarim, that the Gidulim here are Mutarim. That is not even a question. At Rabuk, even if they did not exceed the Ikar that was there, that the Ikar is unable to mivatel the Gidulim, and the Gidulim are Mutarim. And the only question of the Gemara over here is, are the Gidulim able to be mevatel the Ikar or not be mevatel the Ikar? As far as the Ikar being Asur, that's absolutely clear. As far as the Gidulim being Mutar, absolutely clear. The only question is, can the Gidulim that are Mutar or Heter be mevatel that which is Asur, the Ikar that is Asur? Right, so that's the basic or fundamental way that the Rishonim look at a question over here. Is the question posed about the fundamental of Gidulim, are the Gidulim Mutar or not Mutar? Or is the question here not about that? That's a given. It's That's already known. The only question is, can they be Mvatel the Ikar or not Mvatel the Ikar? Again, that's a difference between the Ran and the Rosh, as well as many other Rishonim that support that position of the Rosh. Now that raises multiple other questions about these Gidulim. The Rosh himself raises a question as to why don't we say Kama Kama Botil? The Rosh, who believes that the Gidulim are Mutarim, as they grow out of the Ikar, why don't we say as they grow, they're batel? Because the ikar overwhelms them every time and they're batel. Batel, 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 and then you never ever get any head there. Why don't we say, and that's a principle in bitul that kama kama batil? So the Rosh answers here and gives us a principle with regards to kama kama batil. Kama kama batil is only applicable in cases where the item itself is static. But that's not true in a case of an item that grows. An item that's going to grow and continue to grow itself and expand itself, you don't say kama kama batil. Because the item itself embedded in it is that potential of growth to expand. And because of that, we don't say kama kama bata. We don't see that each portion as it grows is batel. That's the first Kiddush that the Rosh tells us over here. Tosafot raises a separate issue, which is the issue of zeh v'zeh goreim. In a case where you have two items that are the impetus for something to come about, then in that case, if you have two items, one that's isur and one that's heter, we say Zevizek Goreim is Mutar. So the question that's raised by the Tosafot over here is, why don't we say Zevizek Goreim is Mutar over here? You have the Ikar, you have the bulb that's put in the ground, that's a sewer. But you have Heter, which is the nutrition and the nutrients and the water that come from the ground, they cause the Gidulim to grow. So between the Ikar, the bulb, and the ground, you have the Heter, which is the ground and all the nutrients, and you have the bulb, which is a sewer, that's Zevizek Goreim. So why aren't the Gidulim Mutarim automatically? Because Zebze Goreim is Mutar. So that's the question that was raised by Rabbi Lezer Mimitz. And Rabbi Lezer Mimitz answers that this 
Tana over here must believe Zevizegorim is Asur. That's how he answers. The Tosafot continues and brings from the Ram that that's not the case. And he says that Zevizegorim only applies when the two objects are the same mean, are the same type, or the same species. You never call Zevizegorim when the Goreim is something totally independent of the item. Over here, the earth, the nutrients, the water that's coming outside to cause the thing to grow, that's not called Zevizegorim. Zevizegorim is when you have two items of a similar ilk or a similar species that are causing something to grow. In that instance, you talk about Zevizegorim. This is not a case of Zevizegorim because the Karka is irrelevant in this case. The only thing that matters is the Ikar because the Gidulim extend from it and the Goreim of the Karka is not taken into account. And therefore, he says, Zevizegorim is not relevant in our case of here. And that's why the Gemara does not address it whatsoever. So now, as opposed to the Ran's question, the Ran thinks the question here is about fundamentally whether the Gidulim are heter or not heter over here. If you hold like the Rosh or the Baliyat Tosafot that the Gidulim are heter, then what is the question at this point? What's the question with regards to Bito? So the, the Baliyat Tosafot say over here, there is no question. Mido Raito, the Gidulim are heter. Mido Raito, everything is Batel. The Gidulim overwhelmed the Ikar and it's Heter. The only question here is a question, Midirabanan. The question here is, Midirabanan. Were the Rabbanan Gozer over here? And Midirabanan Hug, the Kamambi Baile. They're asking this question on a rabbinic level. Were they Gozer here, like by Gidule Chuma? Were they Gozer here? That the item should remain an item of Isur. And that's the question. The question is only at the rabbinic level. Enochanami Doraita, the Gidule Mamutar. Enochanami Doraita, it's Batel. And the question is a rabbinic level question, and that's how the Baliyat Tosafot learn over here. On the other hand, the Rosh explains the question here somewhere along the lines of what David just said, which is the Rosh says over here that the Gemara is clear that the Ikar cannot override the Gidulim. The Ikar cannot ruin the Gidulim, and the Gidulim are heter. And that's what we explained before, that there's no Kama Kama Botil. There is none of this that the Ikar overrides the Gidulim. The Gemara's question is, can the Gidulim override the Ikar? And that's the question that the Gemara is facing. The Imrabu Gidule Heter al Ikar. If the Gidulim of Heter exceed the Ikar, then Imivatlimo Tobirov. Can they eliminate it and be Mivatelibirov? Afagav the Ikar lo Mivatel Gidulim. Even though the Ikar is not able to overcome the Gidulim, Hainamashum the Gidulim Chashive. They are significant. Shetamid gidelim ve'olchim, because they continue to grow and be big, and they're so chashuv that the ikar can't override them. Odilma, keichi diloma vatel ikar the gidulim, achinami lo mevatel gidulim the ikar. Just like the ikar can't override the gidulim, the gidulim can't override the ikar. Below dami lishari surim. It's not like any other isur. Shemevatlim berov. Why? Bishom dahanach lo mitarve the gamre. They never mix fully. The Gidulim grow separate from the Ikar. So, David, that's exactly your question, which is here you have distinct parts over here. You have a Gidol, you have an Ikar. I can see both of them. If I can see both of them, then there's Easter here, there's Heter here. They're not Mivatel each other. They don't affect each other, but they're also not Mivatel each other. And so that's the Rosh says, that's the question of the Gemara over here. How do we view the Ikar over here? Is the Ikar distinct enough and significant enough that the Gidulim cannot be Mivatelet? The reason being because they do not completely become mi'urav, mixed together, or do I say that the only thing that's chashuv here is the gidulim, because they continue to grow and 
are chashuv because of the fact that they are continuously growing, but the Ikar doesn't have that status because it's a static object, and therefore the Gidulim can override it. That's the way that the Rosh sees the question over here. Others suggest that the question over here is how significant is the Ikar? I mean, that is the Ikar something chashuv or not chashuv? It's along the lines of what the Rosh said over here, but not because of the way the Rosh. The Rosh gives you a reason because it's enomitarev, because they don't mix together. But you could say even without the Enomitarev, does the Ikar, does the original bulb have enough significance to hold its own even after the Gidulim overwhelm it? The other way to look at this question is the Ran Lashitato. If you remember the Ran Lashitato, how does the Ran view Bittu? The Ran says that you need contrasting items in order for there to be Bittu. Items that are Heter versus Isur can be Mvatel each other. Things that are similar ilk are not Mvatel each other. And therefore the Ran phrases the question over here as a question of how do we view the Gidulim from the Ikar itself. Since they extend out of the Ikar, they're very similar to the Ikar, and they remain in Asurim. Or they full-fledged Heter, and then they can be Maled Isur. So according to the Ran, if you have Heter here, I mean the Gidulim are Heter, then they are in contrast to the Ikar, which is a sore. And therefore, the head there can be mevatel the Isur. On the other hand, if you think that the Gidulim here are an extension of the Ikar, let's say the Ran himself believes that these Gidulim then would be a sore, the Gamri. But even if you held like the Rosh, that they're Mutarim, but based on the Ran Shita, that when you have like Heter like this, it extends from an Ikar, which is a sore, it's a Heter that's not real Heter, because it's deriving from this Isur. Maybe it's not a contrast enough with the Isur in order to create the Bitol. And that's what the Ran says is the question here. Do you have something that's contrasted enough or sufficiently to create Bito? Or are the Gidulim in the end just an extension of the Ikar? And since it's an extension of the Ikar, they're also a Surim. And therefore, there's no contrast here and there's no Bito. Again, the Ran takes it literally that they're a Surim. And therefore, they're not Heter at all. But even if you were to suggest within the Ran Shita that they are Heter, then you could ask the question that this is not real Heter. This is a Heter that derives from Isur and it's too like the Isur. And so it's so similar to the Isur that it doesn't allow one item to be mevatel the other item. Right, so that's the question that's being posed over here. How this came about, most people explain it as the way that we have the Gerson Argomara, which was that it was picked during the Shvi'it and then replanted during the Shminit. If you look in Rashi, Rashi brings an Ika de Amre, which is an alternate Gersa that says, Sh'ikaro gadal b'shvi'it, v'nikadal atshru b'gudula v'alikiro, that it was left in the ground. It was there in the Shvi'it, stays in the ground through the Shminit, and then the growth in the Shminit now overwhelms what was in the ground already in the Shvi'it. So Rashi, instead of having the word Shi'akru, which is that they uprooted, he has Shi'ikaro, that the item, the root, or the bulb was there during the Shvi'it, and then it continues to grow into the Shminit. So according to that second Lashon Rashi, it was never picked and then replanted, but rather it remained in the ground the entire time. And the question here is about the growth that happens in the Shminit, can it affect that which was in the ground during the Shvi'it? So he says, after the Kamei de Rabbi he posed this question, he brought it before Rabbi Ami, he didn't know the answer, he didn't have an explanation for it. After the Kamei de Rabbi he brought it before Rabbi Yitzchak Nafko, he tried to answer the question from this statement. You have an onion that of Chuma, Shinat O, that was replanted, and then the growth exceeded the Ikar, Mutar. Now over here when we say Mutar, 
the Ran is very clear over here. That doesn't mean mutala gamre, because once something grows again in the ground, you have two choices here. Either the item is truma and remains truma, or if you're successful at being mevatal and it's going from the ground, it's a new plant. And a new item, a new plant is tevel. So that's the two options here. Either it's truma or it's tevel. So it's not mutar in the sense of mutar the gamre. Mutar over here is just vis-a-vis truma. It's not truma anymore. It's mutar because you could take mafrish truma to masrot and it will be chulin. So that's the two choices here. Either it remains truma or it turns into tevel. What the statement here says is that it turns into tevel. What do you see if the fact that it turns into tevel shows you that the gidulim amevatel the ikar? Amalei Rabbi Yirmi Avitei Rabbi Zrika Shavik Mar Train Vavid Kechad. You picked up one item and left two because there are two items that disagree with what you said, and you have one memra that agrees with what you said. Well, he quoted the memra that agrees that says that the gidulim amevatel the ikar. Maniu train. What are the other two memros that disagree with this and say that the ikar remains intact? If he grafted a young branch or tree onto an older tree, over here it seems to be it's done temporarily to help the fruits grow. It's not a permanent grafting. Then ubaperoth, and the branch already has fruits on it. So now, if the branch did not have fruits on it, and then fruits grew from it, then we have no question that it would be mutar, because the skena dictates over here. The case here is that it already has fruits that are asur on it, because they grew on the yalda, something that was young, that was orla. Then he takes that branch, snaps it off that tree, and grafts it onto an older tree, which isn't orla. The bitto for orla is 200 to 1. So even if it grew 200 times more than was on the fruit prior to the grafting, Asur, it remains Asur. So what do you see over here? You see that the Ikar dictates. The Ikar, which is the Asur, remains intact and dictates the status of this item and it remains Asur. If you have an onion that was planted in a kerem, so now you have Kilaya kerem, hakerem, and then the vineyard was removed. Asur, the onion remains asur. So even though now the onion is growing without any vineyard there, and it's growing beheter, nevertheless the heter is not mevatel, the ikar, that was asur. The original part that grew be asur remains intact, it's not batel. So over here, you have two statements from Amorahim that show you that the ikar is not batel, and the ikar remains intact and creates isur here. So that's the question that Rabbi is posing to him. How could you bring a proof, Rabbi Tzachnaka, from Rabbi Hanina, which says that the Ikar is Batel? That's one memra. I have two other memra that say just the opposite. The Ikar remains a sore. So hold the Kameh Rabbi Ami. So the item returned to Rabbi Ami. Rabbi Ami before who didn't have an answer to it. Now it comes before him to Pasha Leminada. And then he answered from this, which is Dama Rabbi Tzachak, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Litra Bitzalim Shetikna. There was a litra worth of, which is a measurement of Bitzalim, that he fixed. Fixed means that he took off Chumot and Masrot. They were no longer Tevel. Vizara. And then he planted it. Mit Aseret Lepikula. The Masrot that are taken off are based on the entirety of the item. So let's think about this here. When you're talking about Bitzalim, you're talking about a bulb that is put back into the ground. The bulb that you reinsert into the ground already had Chumot and Masrot removed from it. So it's an item that is Chulin. When you place it back in the ground, and now new onions, new plants grow from it, the original bulb is still there. That original bulb should still be chulin, and maybe shouldn't be tevel at all. The gidulim that grow out of it, they're tevel because they're totally new items. So you have a mixture of chulin, which is the original bulb, 
and you have the new items that grew, which are tevel. Yet, the statement over here of Rabbi Yisrael Rabbi Yochanan is that it's mitaseret lefikula, that even the bulb, even the original bulb becomes tevel again, and you then have to take off chumotu masrot for the entirety of the item. What does that show you? That the gidulim are mevatel the ikar. So now we have another statement that shows you that the gidulim are mevatel the ikar. And the truth is that you have two statements here from Yochanan. You have Ami Rabbi Yabo and Rabbi Yochanan. Now we have Rabbi Yitzchak and Rabbi Yochanan. And their two statements are opposite statements. So the Ran points out that you have to say this is Trey Amorai, Alibid Rabbi Yochanan. These are two Amoraim arguing in the position of Rabbi Yochanan. But then the Gemara says, Alma, Otan Gidulim, Mevatlin Ikar. It's pretty clear that the Gidulim are Mevatel the Ikar, and it makes it all entirely into Tevel, and it wipes out the Ikar. Gemara Zavar says, wait a minute. Why do you have to say it over here? Dilma Lechumra Shiny. Maybe over here, it's Lechumra. Over here, you're actually being Machmir, because you're saying that instead of having to take off Tumotamasro from the new stuff, you have to take off Tumotamasro from the new stuff plus the old stuff. So here, when you say it's the Chumra, you can argue that you're Mevatel the Ikar, because that's just going the Chumra. Who says that that means when we go to Kula, we would also say that it's Mevatel the Ikar. So maybe this proof is not a good proof, because this proof is just going the Chumra. But we want, in our case, to go to Kula, and say that the Gidulim override the Ikar, and Mevatel, the Hetar is Mevatel the Isur, and that would be even the Kula. So that's the suggestion to Gemariah, this maybe is not a proof, just because it's the Chumra. The problem, and it's so obvious in the question here, this is a chumrah hamivayi lidei kula. It's a chumrah that generates huge problems over here because if the ikar is really patur, then why is it you are allowed to take off chumot and masrot from this item? Then you're going to end up taking off chumot and masrot from something that's patur. And if you take off chumot and masrot from something that's patur, you end up with a mess. Either you take off chumot and masrot that are not supposed to be chumot and masrot, or you're taking off something that's patur, chiyuva, la patur, you're going to create yourself a huge mess. And even if you do it, even if you do it from the item itself, you have a problem. Because the gidulim are chayav, and the ikar is not chayav. And who says you're going to end up with the right? You're going to actually have chiyuv and patur that are mixed up. So the Rosh's suggestion over here is that you actually mafish trumot and masrot from items that are only chayav midrabanan. That you take it off from an atzitz, shenu nakuv, or you take it off from the land of Novit kochavim. You only mafish trumot masrot from things that are chayav midrabanan in trumot masrot, and that's how you solve the problem. By using things that are only chayav midrabanan to deal with this item, which is also only chayav midrabanan. That's one way to deal with this problem. On the other hand, the other Rishonim, like the Rashbo, suggest over here that there's no problem, because we know that maser yarak, taking off masrot and trumot from vegetables, is only a dindarabonan. So since the whole thing is only a din derabanan, if the derabanan are machmir over here, it's not a big deal because you're only in the world of dinei derabanan to start with. Since you're only in the world of dinei derabanan, if they're machmir, if it's patur, the chiyuv, you're still dealing within a framework of derabanan and you're not bumping into an issue de oraita. On the other hand, Duran has a very interesting answer over here. He, is, and he says is that mimon of shach, it works out. Because there are two possibilities over here as to what the possible outcome is. He says, the whole wheel, if the gidulim are unsuccessful at being mevatel the ikar, have a little gidulim ki ikar. Then the gidulim become like the ikar came into minei rabu because they grew out of it. So therefore, what the Ron says is that it's a binary case here. Either the case is that the gidulim are heter, and if they are heter, they're mevatel the ikar. That means that everything here is heter. Or, the option is that the Gidulim are not Heter, 
or they're unable to be mevatel the ikar. And the Ran Lashitato says then that the ikar then is a sur, and everything that derives from it is a sur. That means that they're not mevatel. That means that everything is a sur. No matter what you have over here, everything is the same. Either everything is a sur, or everything is mutar, or basically everything is chayav in tevel, or everything is not chayav in tevel or chumotu masrot. So that way, if you take off the chumotu masrot minei uvei from it itself, you'll never have a problem. Because when you take it off from itself, if it's pator, then you're taking off minei pator ala pator. If it's chayav, then you take off minei chayav ala chayav. And that's how the Ran deals with the problem and says that the item here is really a binary option that we don't know. It's a fake, but this fake is 100%. It's either 100% that it's chayav in chumotu masrot, or it's 100% that it's pator mi chumotu masrot. That's around the Shittato, as we saw above, that he thinks the whole question of the Gemara here is whether the Gidulim are heter or not heter. And as a derivative of that, they will be mevatel di ikar. So if the Gidulim are heter, they will be mevatel di ikar and everything's heter. If the Gidulim are not heter, then they're not mevatel di ikar and everything is a sur. So since those are the only two options, if you take the Chuma Masrot off from the item itself, you'll never run yourself into a problem. Obviously, for the other Rishonim, like the Rosh and others, it doesn't work because they think that the Gidulim are mutar, and the question still exists. Even after the Gidulim are mutar, the, is it mevatel the ikar or not mevatel the ikar? So therefore you end up with different items. Some items that are chayav, and some items that are pator, and that's what generates the problem, that's why they come up with other solutions. The Ra is saying, be mafresh from something else. The Rash was saying that the whole thing's the Rabbanan anyway, so we don't have to worry about it. Okay, we'll stop over here. The Gemara will continue to try to bring proofs to whether the Gidulim are successful being mevatel the ikar. We'll stop here on the last line of Nunzayin Amud Bet.